Welcome to the Southwest Apostolic Church podcast. Southwest Apostolic Church is located at 3161 South Rowena Street, Indianapolis, Indiana, 46241. Phone number 317-227-0182. Give us a call if we can help you. Our services are Sunday morning, 10 o'clock. Sunday evening, 7 o'clock. Tuesday evening, we have prayer meeting at 7.30. And Wednesday evening, we have Bible class at 7.30. Our webpage, www.southwest-apostolic.com. You can find us on the web there. And you're welcome to any of the services. Uh, Our podcast will contain preaching from the pastor and other preachers. So without further ado, we'll get right into it. God bless. Trying to do something for God, make it sound good, and we appreciate it. We sure do appreciate everything that's done. Everything, Lord, that somebody's doing, we appreciate it. 1 Samuel 17, and the focus verses are 45 and 46. 17, 45. And 46, so, and David, then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defiled. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine hand. Head from thee, and I will give the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, and that all the earth may know that there is a God and Israel. Amen. And let's go ahead and read 47. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. This is a familiar story of David and Goliath. And to really understand, to, I was reading last night, you have to go back all oh, two or three chapters. And if you read chapter oh, 1 Samuel 13 and you start reading, we know that the people wanted a king, and they uh, asked Samuel. They wanted a king. They got tired of Samuel. Samuel's getting old. Samuel's sons didn't follow after the ways of God. So they said, we want a king. We want to be like everybody else, and we want a king. And uh, we realized that God called uh, Saul to be the king, and he was big, strong. And uh, head and shoulders above all Israel. And he became king. He was shy when he was, before he was king. And uh, before he became the, you know, the big shot, he, he hid himself amongst the stuff. He didn't, when they went to crown him or anoint him, he kind of hid. But after he became king, he changed. He was a great warrior to start off. But He changed. And uh, a couple different things he he did. He you can see you have to read between the lines and put everything in context. And you see that 
they were fighting the Philistines and and uh, the Lord told Samuel to uh, that he would to tell Saul and uh, wait here. I'll be seven days and I'll be here and and we'll offer the sacrifice and ask the Lord for help. Well, we read that Samuel got ahead of God and he got to, he got afraid. He he the people were starting to wander off and he went ahead and offered the sacrifice himself. Who did I say? Saul. I'm sorry. I get I keep Saul. There are a lot of asses there. Samuel told Saul that he would be there in seven days. Saul done foolishly, and he had not kept the commandment of God, and he offered foolishly. And uh, so we see that the character of Saul, we see the, I'm bringing out Saul because when you read about David and Goliath, you're really reading about David, Goliath, and Saul. You got three characters going here. You got three different things going. You got the fact that Saul was king, but Saul didn't have, he, after he became king, he kind of liked being king. And, and then you read the next chapter, how his son Jonathan, Saul's son Jonathan gives Israel a victory. But Saul is so worried about his leadership and making sure that he's the king. And he's got a bad leadership technique. And he tells everybody they can't eat and he calls a fast. And it really wasn't time to call a fast. It was time to celebrate the fact that Jonathan had won victory. And Saul even gets to a place where he found out that his son Jonathan broke the fast. And Jonathan didn't know anything about the fast. And he even threatened to kill his own son. He said oh, he was so worried about trying to present himself as this strong leader. And he, he wasn't really following after God. He really wasn't. You don't read about him having a heart after God. You, you, have, you read about him trying to be a, a leader, but he's trying to be a leader in his own self and trying to do it his own way. I don't think we should try to do it our own way, do you? I think we should try to do it God's way. Amen, amen. I think we should try to do things God's way, whether we're a great leader or a small leader or whoever we are, the desire in our hearts should try to be do it God's way. Yeah, amen. amen. That's why we come to church, to learn what God's way is. Yeah. How many knows we need to be taught God's way? Yeah. How many knows this world needs to be taught God's way? Yeah. There's children that need to be taught God's way. That's why we're so thankful about the 19, 20 kids we've been having on Wednesdays, we want to teach them God's way because they're not getting the, the message about God's way anywhere else. Amen? They're not getting taught anywhere else what they need to be taught. Amen. So Jonathan gave him victory, and then, and then uh, Samuel came again to Saul, and he said, Now, you, now Samuel, I'm, Saul, I want you to realize, now think about who I am. The Lord sent me to anoint you the king over the people of Israel. Now listen to what I'm going to tell you. Saul got to a place where he didn't want to listen. He didn't. He was doing it his way, and he, he was worried about things. He wasn't seeking God. He offered to sacrifice. He wasn't supposed to. He got it. He didn't want. The thing about it was he didn't. He wasn't depending on God. He wasn't waiting on God. He looked around. He saw the Bible says that the people began to go away from him, and he he went ahead and offered to sacrifice. He did, and Samuel showed up right after he did it. So. He, Samuel would have been there. He just needed to, but he just had this attitude. So Samuel comes to him again. He said, now, 
I want you to know it's me that the Lord sent to anoint you as the king over Israel. Now, we've got something for you to do, but I want you to listen to me. All right? So, and the Lord said, this, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which the Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go, now it's time for payback for Amalek. He, he wasn't good to Israel when we came out of the wilderness. Now the Lord has said, now it's time. So now go take the time, the property, and everything of Amalek, okay? And I want you to just get rid of everything, okay? I want you to destroy everything. Don't spare anything, okay? And, and, and it says the women, children, ox sheep, don't keep anything. Now that's pretty plain, isn't it? All right. So Saul gathered the people together and numbered them at 200,000 footmen and 10,000 men of Judah. So he came into the city of Amalek and way late in the valley. And Saul smote the Amalekites from Havilah until thou comest to Shur, and that is over against Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalek, Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and the oxen and the fatlings and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them, but everything that was vile and refuse they destroyed. So, so then came the word of the Lord to Samuel. So, this Saul, I'm just sorry I ever made him king. I'm just sorry I have ever made king. So he said he didn't, you know, he's turned back from following me, the Lord said. Saul has turned back from following me. That's the bottom line. He's the king. We made him king. He should have been following me. He's, he's doing things his own way. He's just not following me anymore. So now it's time to make somebody else the king, okay? And uh, But so Samuel comes down to Saul Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul. I'm trying to hurry because this all ties, this all, this, this picture of David and Goliath and David and Saul, it all goes together. And it was told Samuel, saying, Saul has came to Carmel, and behold, he set him up a place and has gone about and passed on and gone down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou the Lord, I perform the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, what meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears and the lowing of my life? If you did everything you like you're supposed to do, why am I hearing these sheep? Why am I hearing these oxen? Because you're supposed you were supposed to get rid of all of them. You were supposed to get rid of everything, not keep anything, not even a person. And they kept the king alive. And Saul said, they brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. See, so <laughs> Saul was more worried about what the people thought. He was trying to, he, this king thing was really, how many know sometimes you have to be a leader and say, the people say one thing, and you have to say, no, God said this. Isn't that right? That's what he didn't do. He didn't say, no, this is what God said to do. He listened. 
he, he reasoned it out in his own mind and he listened to the people. And Samuel said to Saul, he said, I'll tell you what the Lord has said to me this night. And he told him, he said, go ahead. And Samuel said, when you were little in your own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel and the Lord anointed you the king? And the Lord sent you on a journey and told you to go out and fight the Amalekites and fight them until they be consumed. He said, but you didn't obey the voice of the Lord, but you did fly upon the spoil and you did evil in the sight of the Lord. You see, they kept what was good, but God didn't want him to keep anything. He wanted this. This was the offering. This was, this was to be given to him. This was his uh, uh, vengeance. This was, he didn't want anything from here. You know, people try to give God things he doesn't really want all the time. You know, people, sometimes people want to give God money and, and uh, God's not really interested in their money. It's their heart he really liked to have. Yeah. Amen. He'd really like to have their heart. He's not really worried about their money. But see, they'll give him their money. They'll give him their money and it makes them feel better. Plus, they, they, people understand the blessings of offerings and tithes and and they do it, and they know that there's a blessing in it. But that's not, I mean, God, you know, we believe in that. We believe in offering. We believe in tithes. But that's not, the main thing is God wants somebody's heart. He really wants somebody to follow him. He really wants somebody to serve him. Whether you got a nickel or not, that's not important. That's not important. But so Saul, he said, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took the spoil, the sheep and the oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice unto the Lord. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord a great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? And we all know this familiar scripture. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. Saul, God's not worried about the sacrifice. He's not worried about how much money you got. He's not worried. What he wants you to do is obey him. Amen. Amen. He wants you to obey his word. He wants you to obey his voice. He wants you to. And it all goes back to hearing him. You've got to hear him. You've got to really listen to what he's saying. And hear what thus saith the Lord. Because he clearly spoke. Through the prophet, he clearly told him what to do, but they heard what they wanted to hear. People do that, don't they? They hear what they want to hear. So Saul said, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin. You see, now he gets right down to his heart. He, he's not following God. He should have been following God, but he's not. He's not listening to God. He's not. Li Can I tell you, when you get saved, it's time to. That doesn't mean you quit listening to God. That means you listen to God more than you ever did. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That don't mean you. You just learn about God and and just do your. Then start doing your thing. No, that's the time to listen and obey the Word of God and hear, hear. Lord, help us to hear. Open our ears and open our heart. To hear what God's really got to say. Through his written word. Through his preached word. Through the unction of the Holy Ghost that he has given us. 
through the Spirit of God in our life. God, let us really hear. Let us really hear. Jesus told the people that he talked to. He said, having ears to hear, they don't hear. And having eyes to see, they're not seeing. So, this rebellion is the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. I don't want to be rebellious and I don't want to be stubborn. Now, I am stubborn in a good way. I hope it's a good way. I want to be stubborn for the things of God, don't you? I want to be stubborn and say, no, we're not moving off what God says. We're not moving off God, what God would have us to do. Amen. We're not, we're, we're that we're going to be stubborn on. But we're not going to be stubborn in our own selves. We're not going to be stubborn in our own ways and stubborn in what we want because that's what people do. They hang on to things because they're stubborn. And the Bible tells me that's not a good place to be. He said, stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry and rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. So Saul said to Samuel, oh, I've sinned, pray for me. But he said, no, this is the last time you're going to see me. As Samuel turned to go away, he grabbed his, his mantle and rent it. <clears throat> Samuel said, The Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from you this day and hath given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than you. And also the strength of Israel will not lie nor repent, for he is not a man that he should repent. So Samuel turned again after Saul, and Saul worshipped the Lord. And then said, said Samuel, Bring me Agag and... and uh, he finished Agave off like he was supposed, like they were supposed to to start with. So now we come to this place. Now we come to this place. Well, then the Lord sends Saul to anoint David the king. Okay. Huh? No, Samuel. I'm sorry. You're right. Samuel. Thank you. Samuel goes to anoint David king. So he sends him over to Jesse's house. We all know this story. He passes his, all the sons past him. And no, that's not the one. Finally, that's the one when they bring David in. They anoint him to be king. So David, and so now this little young man that we learn about David, he's just a guy out here keeping the sheep. He's just a shepherd boy. He's got a lot of brothers. He's got a good dad, and he just keeps the sheep like he's told. They don't really think a lot of him. You can tell that when we read about it. They send him out there. When the prophet came to anoint the king, they didn't even call for David. So finally, David's out there. But David watches the sheep. He, he plays his harp. He, he, he loves the Lord. He thinks about God. And he, the Bible says that David is a man after God's own heart. He's young. And he's really kind of innocent. You know, so you ever wish some days you was innocent like you used to be? Innocence is a good thing. And our kids need to be innocent. They don't need to be all this junk that they're putting on them. They need to be innocent, you know what? I was watching my grandsons yesterday. I was sitting out in the chair in the yard, and they were over 
and uh, I had a, a polar pop or a big gulp, whatever you call it, and uh, they finished it off. I gave them a drink, and they pounded it and finished it off. <laughs> Two of them, they was handing it back and forth, take a turn. Well, we all took turn. Your turn, your turn, my turn. And then they finished it off. But they took the cup. I was just sitting there chilling. and I noticed they got a little tree over in one corner. And they took the cup on the ice and dumped it out. And I heard them. They said, we're over here playing in the mud. How many knows three and five and six-year-old boys ought to be playing in the mud? That's what they ought to be doing, playing in the mud. They were just having a good old time. Ethan came up and said, dirty, hands are dirty. I said, that ain't going to hurt you. That's good. But they'd be better off out there playing in the mud than being bombarded with a bunch of junk that the world offered. The power of innocence. So David was innocent. He was just an innocent guy. So, so here we have. Now, if you go to uh, David and Goliath, and uh, then you go to chapter 17. Okay, I'm hurrying here. I'm trying to hurry. So now, here they are, the Philistines were gathered together in the armies to battle. And the Bible says that there was a valley between them. So now, we've got Israel is in this, in this valley. There's a, Israel's on one side, Philistines on the other side. you got Saul in his tent, he's got his armor, he's got all the trappings of being the king. And you've got David's brothers are there in the army. And you've got little David, he's been anointed to be the king he don't know what's going on. He's he just excited. His dad says, I want you to take some bread, some food down to your brothers and let me know what's going on. So David heads down to this place. He doesn't even really understand this destiny and what's involved. He doesn't know what's going on. But he went down to the same place that Saul was at. So now you get a picture of two men in the armies. One... One is the future leader and one is the current leader that's on his way out. And there was a valley there. The battle was going to take place in the valley. Let me tell you, the valley brings out the true character of the person. We, this valley was the place where Goliath came out every day and said, Send me a man. Send me a man. And if I defeat him, You'll serve us. And if he defeats me, we'll serve you. Every day he would come out. The valley says, send me a man. And what that's telling us is there's place in life. There's, there's something in life. There's a time in life that, 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 that is destiny. It's called everybody goes through a valley. Everybody has hard times. Everybody has to try to make it. And it brings out what God's looking for is what kind of person you are when, when you get in the valley, when you go through life. Come on, somebody. What are you really? So now David comes down there. He doesn't know anything about it. How many know Saul, when that giant came out and said, send me a man, Saul should have been the first one suited up and out there. He was the king. He was the biggest guy, the Bible said, head and shoulders. Above Israel. He was Israel's giant. He should have. They, the, and I was reading last night the, about the uh, armor of the king. They said it was probably the best armor you could have. So he was head and shoulders above Israel. He had the best armor. He should have been. If he would have been right with God. And had the strength that, as the leader of Israel. And had faith in God like he should. He should have been the first one walking right down towards that valley. And say bring it on. 
But he wasn't. He was sitting in his tent, surrounded by his gold and surrounded by his armor and his, his uh, cabinet or whoever was there with him. And here comes this little boy, a little young man. He comes walking up. He's just carrying the bread and the cheese and the, and the Kool-Aid. And he, <laughs> he's just walking up there. And then and Goliath walks out in the valley and says, Send me a man. He does this every day. And David said, Who, What's going on here? And uh, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? What's he doing defying the armies of God? You, now, we're going to get a picture now of two different men that, because, you see, you're going to get a picture of a young man who's tuned in to God, and he loves God, and he wants God's will, and he loves God's people, and he loves the things of God. You see the difference? That he should defy the armies of God, the armies of Israel. David had a, he had a love, no doubt, for his nation. He had a love for the things of God, and he understood who Israel was. And he didn't like this guy, this guy coming out there bad-mouthing him. David said, well, who's going to fight him? They said, nobody's fighting him. Nobody will go out there and fight him. Let me tell you something. Everybody in that army wanted that Goliath's head. Every one of them would have liked to have won. Every one of them would like to take. Everybody likes, wants to be anointed. Everybody wants to be used of God. Everybody wants to, wants to, uh, you know, be the one. Everybody wants the crown. Everybody wants this. But the thing is, you got to be in a position with God to when you when you go through certain areas of life, it brings out your character and who you really are. And that's what makes who. That's what makes leaders. That's what makes That's what brings character. That. That's what brings God in your life is being able and having a right attitude. You see, the difference Saul did not have the right attitude. He did not have the backing of God. He wasn't in a good place with God. But David was with God. He was trying to follow God. He was trying to do God's will. Can I tell you that's the main thing, trying to do God's will? You don't have to be perfect. Just be trying. Amen. Just have a heart that says, I want to follow God. I'm really, in, I'm really sincere in following God. That's the, all that God is really looking for. He's not looking for the biggest or the strongest. He's not looking for the most talented. He's not looking for the most money. He's not looking for the greatest oratory. He's just looking for somebody that says, I really want to follow God, and I really want to be saved, and I really want to be what God wants me to be. That's what God's looking for. Amen. That's what God's looking for. And you all know the story. David, he... <laughs> Saul says, uh, uh, Samuel says, here, if you're going to go, who is... They, we found this guy, and he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna fight the giant. He's going to fight the giant. And, uh, all right, bring him in. And no doubt he was surprised when they brought this young guy in there. 17, 18, 19, whatever, 16, whatever he was. He says, you're going to fight him? He says, yeah, I'll fight him. He don't bother me none, you know. And uh, so he says, okay, here's my armor. Think about that. Think about that. It's a sad thing when the king, there's a battle to be fought, and the king should be the one fighting it. He's got the best armor there is. He's the king. And he delegates or relegates his armor to a young kid. 
Just get, said, well, you're going to fight him? Okay, I'll let you fight him. You know, sometimes we have to answer for our own responsibilities. It'd be, it'd be nice to hand off our responsibilities sometime. It'd be nice to hand off what we have to do. But you know what? If we've got an office, if we've got a position, if we're a child of God, there's some things that belong to the child of God, and it's our responsibilities. It's our responsibility. It's my responsibility. Yeah. Amen? There's responsibility. When you're a child of God, you've got responsibilities. You can't hand them off. Let somebody else tell them. So he gives him the armor, and David said, Man, I can't, I can't wear this. I, I don't know nothing about this. I don't know about armor. I don't know about all this. I'm not this soldier like you are. And finally, David says, Okay, oh, well, I can't wear this. And, and you know the story. And, and uh, David said, Okay, I'll, I'll go fight him. And, and uh, I'll, I'll go out and I'll go out and take him on. But listen, and then we get to chapter 17, and we see where David's getting ready to go out. And now listen to his attitude. David put tried the sword, and the Philistine came near. And the Philistine came out and saw who saw David. He said, "Is this all you got?" And my and the, and the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come on, I'll give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air, and to the beast of the field. Then David, see, he had this, he had, uh, he had what Saul didn't have. He had a relationship with God. And the only thing that's going to take you through the valley and get you the victory in the valley is having a relationship with God. Yes. Having a relationship with God for yourself. I can't go to your valley. I can't live your life. And let me say the valley is just representative of life because how many knows life is made up of valleys? There's mountains, but there's valleys. The valley represents the hard times, the rough times, the, the times that aren't so good, that things don't go like we want them to go. Anybody ever had any valleys in your life before? But I want to tell you what determines how you get the victory in the valley is what kind of relationship you have with God before you get to the valley. It's not time to start seeking God when you're in the valley. I mean, it, it, seeking God's a good at any time. But, the, and, but you know... You really should have. It's like the lady they said was sitting on the porch, rocking in the chair, and the tornado warning was out. And the kids come out and said, Grandma, you need to come on in here. We need to pray. We're going to have, there's a tornado coming, and the storm, storm's raging, and Grandma just rocks in the chair. And they said, Come on, Grandma, we need to come in here and pray. We need to get down to business. Grandma rocks in the chair, and finally they said, Come on, Grandma, we need to pray. And she, she just rocks in her chair, and she said, I've already done my praying. I don't have to scramble when I go to the valley. I don't have to scramble and be afraid and wonder what's going to happen because I've had a consistent relationship with God. I've already done my praying. Amen. That's the way we need to be. Valley, I've already done my praying. 
hard time. I've already done my praying. And that, what that means is I'm going to go on and I'm going to keep praying and I, the valley's not going to deter me and the valley's not going to take me away from God and the valley's not going to separate me from the love of God because I've already got a relationship with God and I'm already going to keep going with God and nothing's going to change that. And when it's all said and done, God's going to take this giant in this valley and God's going to give me victory over him anyway. I'm going to have them. It's all said. You can get to a place, folks, where you can go through life and you say, I know it's going to be hard and I sure don't know how it's going to turn out, but God's going to work it out for me. It's going to work out, Steve. It's going to work out. Because God, you know, when you're on his side, he's on your side. When you're really trying, you don't have to, he knows you're really trying. And when you're really wanting to be saved, he knows you really want to be saved. And when, when you got the right relationship with God, he knows all about it. So here, get the picture of these two men at the valley here. One man does not have a relationship with God. One man is living in self-stubbornness and rebellion and trying to do it his way. And he's interested in being the king, but he's not interested in being God's king. He's interested in being in charge, but he's not being interested in being under God. And now we've got another young man that comes. He loves God. He wants to serve God. He he writes psalms to God. He sings, he sings to God. He loves God. He takes care of the sheep like his dad told him. And he does what he's supposed to. And he just tries to obey and be what God wants him to be. And now he is at the same place where Saul is. And they're facing the same giant. You know we all face the same giant, don't we? It's called life. <laughs> Anybody think life's a giant sometimes? I was talking to that electrician man the other day and he was telling me about his dad and, and uh, I said, life's hard, ain't it? He said, yeah, life's hard. And I'll never forget that brother, Bishop McCory, told me that one time. He was telling him about the homeless people we work with and, you know, the ones on the street. And, you know, a lot of people would said, well, they need to get off the street and they need to do better and, I was totally surprised when he looked at me and said, life's hard, ain't it? Let me tell you something, life is hard. And life happens to everybody. Life just don't happen to you, and life just don't happen to me. Life happens to everybody. Everybody has a valley experience. Everybody has a giant they have to overcome of some you know, one thing or another, whether it's a crazy relative that, <laughs> or, a, or a wayward this or a wayward that or a husband or a wife or a boss or everybody's got life to deal with, folks. That's all there is to it. But the thing to do is have a relationship with God. And then when you get to that, when life sends you to the valley, David didn't know where, he didn't know what was going on. His dad just told him to go down there. So he just loads up and heads on down. He didn't know what his destiny was. How many knows we really don't know our life, we don't know where we'll be in life next week? We got a pretty good idea. God's good to us. We're pretty solid here. We got a pretty good group of people that love God, and most of us will be, you know, we got an idea of where we're going to be, but really we don't know what God, life's going to hand us. Yeah. 
We don't know what life's going to handle us. And when you have a relationship with God, the giant doesn't scare you as bad. The giant doesn't bother you as bad. You know, he's still a giant. He still needs to be defeated. But you notice, I'm just, you know, you go to, a, a, let's say you go to a funeral and you see people that love God and they weep and they cry and they lost a family member, and, but they go through it and they go through it with dignity and they go through it, you know, and they, you even see them caring about other people at the same time and, and they go through the hardship and they go through it and God takes them through and then you go see somebody that you go and they don't have any relationship with God. They don't know him and they're not, you know, they're never interested in God and they do their drugs and, and then they're the ones that's all falling to pieces. Carrying on and carrying, you know what I'm talking about? They're the ones falling down, making the big scene, got to carry them out and all that. And I'm not mocking anybody who's really Greek, but you see that's the only thing, they, they don't have any other way of handling it. Because they don't have God. They don't, when, when that giant sticks his head up, they, they cower down and they don't know how to handle the giant. But David knew how to handle a giant. God's people know how to handle a giant. They speak by faith. They keep their faith in God and say, you come to me with a sword and a, and a, a shield, but God, I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord. Amen. I'm, I'm here. I'm not here on my own. I'm not here on my own. I'm not here because of how good I am. I'm, I'm not here. I'm just here as a child of God. David told him, he said, uh, said, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. You see, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. David, you see, God's people don't have the mindset of everybody else. David didn't, couldn't wear the, the armor of Saul. He didn't have the mindset of all the other soldiers. He didn't have the mind. He just knew that God was going to help him and he would do what he could with what he had. Now, David had just been anointed of God, you see. That's the difference. He'd just been anointed to be the king. And they, Now, see, I read the book, and I mentioned it before. We all see David coming to fight Goliath, and we say, oh, underdog. You know, it's supernatural. God has to help David win with Goliath because there's no way God, Goliath could beat David. No way David could beat Goliath. Goliath beat David. David's the Why do we say that? We shouldn't say that. We should say, wait, well, this is going to get interesting. David just got anointed to be king. Now God sent him down there to fight this giant. Let's see what happens. But we don't. We say, oh, boy, he's going to get whooped. You know, he's <laughs> he just puny little runt. And he's going <laughs> to, has to be supernatural. But see, David had, he said, all I can do is be me. Now listen to me. All I can do is be me. Now all you can do is be you. All I can do is be me. The best I can do is be me. I'm not Brother Urshan. Are you with me? You're not uh, Donald Trump. <laughs> You're not Joe Biden. You're not any political. You know, we are who we are. Isn't that right? And the best thing to do is just be who you are. Just be what you are with God. Don't try to be anything super. I can't compare myself to Brother Urshan or Brother... I'm not Brother Mooney. I'm not some of these guys. That All I can do is the best I can do. Amen? Yeah. All you can do is the best you can do. Yeah. Praise the Lord. All you can do is be yourself. And you've been anointed by God. You've got the Holy Ghost. You've been... In, just use what you got. Be who you are and use what you got. 
That's all you can do. So, well, I'm not real smart. Well, I, you can, I, I, I do love to pray. Well, then pray a lot. So David, all he had was a sling and a staff. But see, David was proficient in his sling. No doubt he spent many hours out there with that slingshot, practicing, shooting that sling against a tree and, and fighting off bears. He said he fought the bear and God delivered him. He fought the lion and God delivered him. And he had his sling and he, he, would, he, he, he exercised him. Can I just say it like this? Exercise, exercise yourself in being you and exercise yourself in using what God gives you. If you have a little bit of ability, just keep trying to use it. Amen. If you have an ability, just and it might you know you know it might not be something great. Just use what you got, and just keep you practice it. That's why I appreciate this the team you come in. They come in and use what we got. We we don't have no Mozarts around here that I know of. We got any Beethovens? We might have a Schroeder. What's that guy on peanuts that plays the But hey, keep playing, Schroeder. You know what I'm saying? Just keep on, keep on singing. Use what you got. Praise the Lord. Just be who we are. Southwest, let's just be who we are. Use what we got. Do the best we can. And say God's on our side. And we're going to live for God and do what God wants us to do. And it's all in His. We don't know anything about a mass choir. We don't know anything about a 20-person member ministry team. We don't know anything about a staff you know, this, that, and this, Pat, you know, we don't, we don't know anything about all that, Saul. All we know is we just love God, and God's going to bring us through, and we're going to be who we are and do the best we can with what we got. Amen. Just be who you are. Let me just stay there for a minute. That's why we preach about just being who you are. You don't have to color your hair. You don't have to... Be all false, put all bunch of, just be, because what that the world see, what that's saying, when you see these people that are making their hair blue and putting all this stuff on, they're not satisfied with who they are. You see? Just be who you are. They teased me at work when I, used, when I was working. <laughs> They'd say, Young, you need to come in here. You need to go home and dye your hair pitch black. They said, you need to come in because they, they knew I was a preacher and they'd always tease me about being a television evangelist. They said, you need to be like so-and-so on television. You need to come in here and just go pitch black and just have it all black. And I'd laugh about it. But see, I'm not worried about that. I'm just being who I am. How many knows we just need to be who we is? Amen. Just be what God made us of me. So David says, I'm, no, here's what's going to happen, Goliath. He said, uh, this day, the Lord is going to deliver you into my hand, and I'm going to smite you. And I'm going to take your head from you, and I'm going to give the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and the beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Now, you see, sometimes we need to speak to this valley. We need to speak to the giant. And say, I know I'm going through a hard time, but God, now this only comes when you've got the right relationship. If you don't have the right relationship, you can't do this. You can't speak it, you know. You can't because you don't have the intestinal something, the fortitude that comes by having a relationship with God. Can I tell you, 
if you all people only knew the value of just having a relationship with God for yourself. And you speak to that giant and you say, no, I don't know, giant, how it's going to happen. I don't know exactly. But as a matter of fact, God kind of gives me an idea how it's going to happen. But I'm going to have the victory over you. You're not going to have the victory. Can I tell somebody, look the devil in the eye and say, you think you're going to have the victory over me. But I don't know exactly how it's going to happen. But I see it in by faith that God is going to give me victory over this enemy. And God is going to give me victory in this valley. And God is going to take me through this area. Somebody needs to speak that to the devil. So no, here's what's going to happen. God's going to give me the victory. You're talking, devil, you're talking about getting the victory. Giant, you're talking about getting the victory. We're down here in the valley, and it looks like I... And, but no, I'm going to tell you what. God's going to give me the victory. Yeah, Amen. God's going to give us the victory. That's the attitude, attitude we should have. So David just had this sling, and, and David ran to the giant. You see, you've got to have a relationship with God to do that. David ran toward Let's get it on. Let's just get with it. Took that stone out of his pocket. He took that sling. And I was reading about this. They said those slings, when if they were people used them and they knew how to use them, they had the same power as like a 45. When that sling launched that rocket out of that stone out of there, it was like shooting a pistol. So David said, Let her go. And he, he let that sling go, and all the time of his practice, all the time of his relationship with God, all the time of his spending time singing to God, writing psalms, and all the time he practiced his sling while everybody else was big and strong and had their swords and their armors and everybody thought they was somebody, and here was a little guy that nobody thought of, but all he had was a harp and a sling. But he used that sling, he practiced his sling, he did what he knew to do. And then when he came time, he just let, all he knew to do was take that sling and take those, one of those five stones he got out of the brook. And he said, okay, I'm just trusting God and God's going to give me the victory. I'm going to be who I am. I'm going to use what I got and I'm going to let her fly. And he took, you know the story. He swung, at, he slung, he slang his sling, <laughs> slung his sling. He slanged. I don't know what he did. He just slanging. Just a slanging is all he was doing. He was slinging. And he slinged. And that rock went right where he wanted it to. By the help of God. By, now that, see that right there. Just think of that picture right there. The young man throwing a rock. Doing all, just being him. Letting go and doing all he knew to do. But in the midst of that God. Well, he was with God, and God was with him. And how many knows that stone hit right where it needed to be? Right between the eyes, took the giant down. David went over and said, I'm going to take his sword, cut his head off. David had the giant's head. Nobody else had it. Nobody, all the soldiers of Israel wanted that giant's head. Saul really knows he should have had the giant's head, but the guy that had the giant's head was the young guy that had a relationship with God, and when God called him to the valley, he just, it was who he is, used what he had. He was anointed of God, and God gave him the victory, and he had the thing everybody else wanted. 
He had the thing everybody wanted. Woo, hallelujah. He kept that head. He kept the head of that guy. But could you imagine? These people were pretty gross and rough back in the day. You know, go kill them. I want you to kill every one of them, babies and all. I want, I want them all dead. And, and they cut heads off and hung carcasses up. And you read all that in the Old Testament. That's pretty rough living back then. So David's got the giant's head and he takes it with him. Carrying that head. And God gave him the victory. Not because of how great he was or how big he was. But the, the bottom line is you've got to have confidence in God and let God fight the battle for you. And let God orchestrate the fight. Let God orchestrate the situation. Let God just step back and let God do it. All you can do is be who you are, use what you got, be who you are, and let God do the rest. This book writer said, Think of one giant in your life that you have been avoiding that God would like you to conquer. Now listen, what practical steps can you take to take the battle to the giant this week? Don't let the giant push you around. Take the battle to the giant. And you can. You can pray about it. Come on, somebody. You can get on your knees and say, hey, wait a minute, it looks like it's only going to go this way, but I'm going to talk to God about it and see if God can make it go a better way. I don't think I'm going to have the strength to make it this week, but I'm going to ask God to give me the strength to make it this week. Amen. I don't know if I can go through it, but I'm going to ask God to give me the strength to go through it. Praise the Lord. Take the battle to the giant. Don't worry about the giant bringing the battle to you. We, that, we know that's going on. There's a giant out there hollering every day at somebody. Running his mouth in the spirit. You're no good. You're weak. You can't make it. You can't do it. You'll never have. You'll never be. That's all that giant crying out of the valley of life. And all we need to do is say, now wait a minute. All I know is who I am. God anointed me. God gave me the Holy Ghost. God called me into his church. And I don't know. I don't have an armor. I don't have a sword. I don't have a big javelin. I don't have this. I don't have that. All I have is my prayer life. And all I have is my desire to serve God. All I've got is a little sling. Praise the Lord. All I've got is something I can practice with. In my prayer life, I can give God a little time. I can practice and be what God wants me to be. And I'm going to let God take care of the rest of it. And when it's all said and done, somebody said, I read the back of the book and we win. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I read the back of the book and we win. So this story of David and Goliath, we've heard it hundreds of times. But let's pray that God would grant us the courage to do what he asks us to do, even when it's scary. Let's go, let's pray for God to prove the tools that he'll ask us to use tomorrow. Let's realize the truth about God, that God fights our battles for us, if we'll let him. He'll take you through, I promise you he will. I promise you he will. 41 years, I've been serving God 41 years. And I got in to get in, I... I didn't get in thinking I was somebody. I still don't think I'm anybody. I still know. All I know is I got in to serve God and just try to be where everything they told me I was supposed to be and let God do the rest, and that's all I can do. Yeah, amen. amen. That's all you can do. And let God orchestrate the rest of it. You see, God was orchestrating David's life. David didn't know it. David got anointed to be king. I'm sure he didn't realize exactly what was going on when the prophet showed up. Said he's the one. He poured the oil over him, and he didn't really understand 
what was going on. He didn't understand what he's going to have to go through before he got to be king. He didn't know what was going on when his dad said, I want you to go down there and take bread to your brothers. He didn't understand that he wasn't even thinking of glory after he defeated the giant. He wasn't think he didn't plan it all out and say, now I beat this giant, everybody's going to like me and I can be king but sooner. He wasn't thinking like that. All he was doing was living in the moment and doing the best he could with what he had at the time and then the rest of it takes care of itself. He didn't know they were going to sing, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. He didn't know all that. He didn't understand the full orchestration of everything. He just put it all in God's hands and let God do it. And that's what we have to do, folks. That's all we have to do is give it to God and say, Lord, work it out. And I believe he will. Anybody believe he will? I know he will. Amen. As the music comes, we're going to sing this morning. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God is good. God is good. We're going to open the altar. Anybody like to pray? Just bring to God what you got. You don't have to bring him a lot. Just use what you got, the old songwriter said. And let God work in your life. Amen. As we get a song this morning. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Southwest Apostolic Church. If we can help you, we will. Give us a call, 317-227-0182. Send us an email, swac3161 at gmail. If we can help you, we want to. God bless. Thanks for listening.